Welcome to 21st Century Boys, episode 9, I believe. I'm Joe Crawford. And James Crawford. And we're going to get started today with what we've been reading lately. My first one up is not a typical choice for what we would do, but it's very comic related, and that is All the Marvels, A Journey to the Ends of the Biggest Story Ever Told by Douglas Wolk. And the solicit or review says, The first ever full reckoning with Marvel's comics interconnected half-million-page story, a revelatory guide to the epic of epics and to the past 60 years of American culture. From a beloved authority on the subject who read all 27,000-plus Marvel superhero comics and lived to tell the tale. So first off, this was really an amazing feat. He basically read all of the Marvel 616 and Ultimate Comics up until Marvel Legacy in 2017. The thing I really liked about this idea of his reading the superhero comics that resonated with me was how he said uh, you should read superhero comics. So like when people ask where to start, you know, many of us who are longtime readers struggle with this. I didn't start at Hulk number one or Captain America number one. And, you know, partially that's probably why in the 90s Image, Malibu and Valiant were so excited because they were new starts and you got to start on the ground floor. But anyway, as kids, we just read what was available. So where do you tell someone to start if not the beginning? Well, Walk weaves around in his telling of the histories of events and characters. Most of us are never going to be able to read everything, and Walk argues that this type of narrative are like webs that branch, and that something worthwhile is found in every story. So it's a really enjoyable book. It was 28 bucks from Penguin, but I would say maybe check it out from your local library. Uh, don't know if it's worth 30 bucks, but it's a good read. Jack, what you got? Uh, earlier mentioned on another podcast, I mean, like, episode, uh, Happiness is a manga made by the same person who made, like, Flowers of Evil and Blood on the Tracks, and it is about vampires. After re- reading the second volume, I thought it was gonna be, like, horrible, like, it was gonna be, like, one of the hardest manga to read, but then, near, like, the beginning, it kind of resolves that and, like, just solves everything out real quick, so then I thought... Oh, it's gonna be alright. And then near the end of the second volume, it got even more messed up. And it just continues like that for the rest of the volumes. I won't spoil anything, but the shock factor and suspension of the manga is a big part of, like, the enjoyment in, like, part. But, yeah. One thing worth noting is how good the art is getting. Like, throughout the volumes, it progressively gets better. And I think that's a big highlight of all this manga. Sure. Uh, like I said earlier, though, if other manga by this creator is too messed up for you, you shouldn't read this manga, probably. Uh, this is probably the main manga that, like, just, like, the makes you feel gross for reading it. Like, it just, ugh, lots of weird stuff. Yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't read anything other than the one by him, The Blood on the Tracks, and I definitely think that was a thing. Okay, so my next one was Captain Marvel Volume 6, Strange Magic by Kelly Thompson and Jamie McKelvey. And this collects the Captain Marvel 2019 volume issues 27 through 30. So, devastated by her breakup with Rhodey, Carol can't seem to get back into her groove. Sure, monsters are still getting punched, but things are also getting missed. And boy, oh boy, is she grouchy. Before Carol can drive her friends fully insane, they stage an intervention that looks a hell of a lot like speed dating. With friends like these, who needs enemies? 
Captain Marvel is far more at home on the battlefield. She's a born soldier. Give her an enemy to fight and she's unstoppable. But her Achilles heel is about to snap. The mystic arts are Carol's one true weakness and haunted by her failure to stop the villain Ove, she sets out on a mission to correct that weakness at any cost. So in the future that Carol has returned from in the previous arc, Rhodey has had a daughter with another woman and many heroes have died. To make sure this doesn't happen yet, War Machine's daughter is, is still born, uh, she breaks up with uh, Rhodey. Uh, so now she's single and she's trying to learn magic, but uh, she has a failed dalliance with Doctor Strange and that doesn't get her any closer to learning magic. And the rest of the good guys really aren't really, really, really willing to help her either. So uh, who does she turn to? Why? She turns to the Enchantress, who happens to be Ove's mom, of course. I like this arc that led to this arc. And I like the way that Thompson handles the obstacles that Carol would face trying to change the future. So it's a nice mix of fun, drama, and action, and it's worth a read if not a buy. And that one is $15.99 from Marvel Comics. I recently continued Berserk. Uh, I'm not going to say much about what actually happens because I don't want to get... I'm so far in, it'll probably be spoils, spoiler territory. Right, and I finished yeah. it up last go-round. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, uh... I would say the art is getting better, like you mentioned. I did previously mention how I thought it was getting a little bit weaker compared to the Golden Age arc after that. But once you get past like a certain part, like the first few volumes after that, it picks right up and I think it gets even better. I do definitely recommend this. It's one of the best manga ever. I think the tone definitely changes. It goes from dark to super dark and I think as it, yeah, it gets, gets further towards the end, yeah. it starts to really change. But um, I don't know. I still think it's really, really good. Yep. Uh, The next one is something I don't usually do a whole lot of because I do read a lot of single issues. And honestly, if we did every single issue I did, we'd probably have to either like record like every few days or um, I don't know, much more often than we do. But I did do this one on the show because it's a big book. And that is Amazing Spider-Man number 74. Its uh, legacy number is 875. And here's what they had to say. The whole ASM, ASM team is coming together to bring you a massive issue that is a culmination of three years of amazing Spider-Man. It's all lead, led to this, The Hunted. And so much more have brought this conclusion to Nick Spencer's landmark run on the best comic book in the world. What will happen to Peter and MJ, Mysterio, J. Jonah Jameson, Norman Osborn, I almost said Mary Kay, <laughs> like it would be like cosmetics or something. Aunt May and Kindred, find out here. Uh, so I won't spoil this issue, but I can't remember the last time a single had this like trade dress. It literally has a spine to like match up against Marvel trades. If you want to slap it on the shelf, it's got like the white and red. It's pretty cool. This is a Whopper, and uh, the Nick Spencer run started really strong for me but I, I guess i started losing some interest you know as i want to do if something is really long uh that said i wasn't familiar with all the characters going in but i caught up pretty quickly mephisto and dr strange are betting on kindred versus spider-man and his crew and this is their final showdown pretty straightforward final issue of the run one toy gets broken but the rest are ready to go back in their box with a new twist or two lastly we get a look at the next run of spidey that's coming on the way with the return of ben riley and i guess some people are going to be really excited about that um Ben was fun as a Scarlet Spider. I don't remember his Spidey stuff super well, so it didn't get me super pumped up, but I'm sure some people are really uh, looking forward to that. 
Uh, it was okay. Uh, probably not something I'd grab again. Uh, though I am more interested in, like I say, the Ben Riley run now that's coming up along the way. I think this is one for those who are really invested in Spidey or in this run. It's probably a pass for me because it was kind of expensive. It's $9.99 from Marvel. For most people, I would say just wait until you can read it on the Marvel Unlimited app. I recently continued reading Dead Dead Demons DVDD Destruction. This manga keeps getting better and better. I highly recommend it. The story follows a bunch of high school girls trying to ignore an alien attack that's going on and just live their life how it normally is until it finally strikes them how dangerous and impactful this will be when someone dies. One thing I forgot to mention the last time I talked about this manga were these little intros and endings after like the main chapters. These intros and endings are little self-contained stories that have like the characters but not really them. And the art style is very similar to like what you would expect from Doraemon. Uh, very fun to read, and it kind of transitions into like the next volumes. So it's really kind of cartoony then, if it's yeah. like got Doraemon. Like. Mm-hmm. And the art and it in the normal manga is kind of like a fusion between like Ine Osano's normal artwork and right. the Doraemon type, type style. Oh, very cool. Uh, it, it is so good. I highly recommend it if you're like trying to get into him or if you're already a big fan of any Osano. Mm-hmm. Cool. Good. All right, my next one's a Urasawa one, and that's Asadora Volume Three. I'm just just asking Jack about this before we start the show, so I'm trying not to be too spoilery because it's one he hasn't read yet. Uh, I think they're up through Volume Four now. A deadly typhoon, a mysterious creature, and a girl who won't quit. In 2020, a large creature rampages through Tokyo, destroying everything in its path. In 1959, Asa Asada, a spunky young girl from a huge family in Nagoya, is kidnapped for ransom, and not a soul notices. When a typhoon hits Nagoya, Asa and her kidnapper must work together to survive. But there's more to her kidnapper in the storm than meets the eye. With the Olympics around the corner, the Japanese defense forces have their hands full. So, enlisted Asa and Kasuga help to find, identify, and deal with the mysterious creature that decimated Asa's hometown. So, I just really love this awesome mix of history, sport, and kaiju. Urasawa is continuing to deliver a really fascinating story about a young girl in the 60s Japan. Her guardian is one of my favorite characters. There's a scene where she has to approach some bullies, and she handles it really perfectly. And honestly, not Kyle. I expected she was going to handle it either. Anyway, highly recommended, and this one is $14.99 from Viz. I've got one more I'm going to go ahead and knock out since I, it's not going to be quite as positive of a review. And this is one Jack had warned me about. Mm-hmm. But I get FOMO. I'm worried I'm missing out. And I keep hearing about this book. It's, uh, I think, on its fifth or sixth volume. And that's Undead Unluck Volume 1 uh, by Yoshifino Totsuka. What happens when an unlucky girl meets an undead guy? Pure chaos. Tired of inadvertently killing people with her special ability, Unluck... Fuka Izumo sends, uh, sets out to end it all. But when she meets Andy, a man who longs for death but can't die, she finds a reason to live. And he finds someone capable of giving him the death he's been longing for. All Fuka wants is a passionate romance like the ones in her favorite shoujo manga. Unfortunately, her unluck ability makes that impossible. But just as Fuka is hitting rock bottom, Andy sweeps her off her feet, literally. Now... 
She's become Andy's unwilling test subject as he works to find a way to trigger a stroke of unluck big enough to kill him for good. However, when the pair discovers a secret organization is hunting them, it puts Andy's burial plans on hold. So, like I said, I was definitely a victim of FOMO with this one. Jax told me this book's not good, but it was sold out everywhere. So that means it has to be good, right? Um, I don't know. So I tracked down the first three volumes on eBay, and it's, like I said, not good. And sorry, Jack, I really should have listened to you here. Um, I have heard that it gets better, so I have at least, you know, the two more volumes to read sometime. But honestly, after this, they're not going to be a high priority for me. Uh, read on the app until you know better that it is a good book. Uh, $9.99 from Viz, and definitely a pass for me, at least for right now. Mm-hmm. Vinland Saga, I recently continued that one. It is like a medieval setting manga about this one kid named Thorfinn. They get to see like grow up um, and just go through his life and like trying to survive. And I thought this, it just kept growing on, growing on me. It is really good. Um, I don't have much to say because I don't want to spoil anything like I will for a lot of the other manga I will mention. Sure. But it is very good, and it's definitely one to keep like looking for. Cool. Uh, mine kind of ties in with that. My next one, uh, I've read a, not Viking, but a Norse mythology one, and that is Sif, Journey into Mystery, the complete collection by Catherine Eminen. I got this a few years ago, and it's you know one of those trades that's been sitting on my self, uh, shelf waiting for me to read it, so I finally got around to it. And here we go. One of Asgard's greatest champions fights her way to true warrior's glory. When her gleaming homeland comes under attack, the sword-wielding Sif leads the battle charge, but her no-holds-barred zeal may be the very thing that brings its walls crashing down. Are the Nine Realms ready for Sif the Berserker? When Sif finds herself on an unsuspecting earth with no patience for peace, she starts putting out fires with gasoline. Just ask the superior Spider-Man. Controlling her rages won't be easy, particularly when a certain hammer-welding spacefaring X shows up. Can Sif and Beta Ray Bill get beyond their fiery past and rekindle the flame? Or will a cosmic crisis snuff it out forever? Get to know Sif like never before as your journey into her story. And this is Journey into Mystery issues 646 through 655. So uh, I really enjoyed this. the stories were, that kind of started, because it's basically two arcs in one in this one, because it's a complete collection. And I really like the first one. She's leading this band of brigands, uh, the Berserkers, and playing superhero is kind of a fun role to see her in, because we always typically see her in the more Asgardy cosmic stories. Uh, less fun for me was the space story with Beta Ray. We do get to dive into their relationship a bit, which I like. But I definitely preferred the story on Earth where, you know, she's hanging out with Superior Spider-Man. If you mm-hmm. remember or not, that was like the Doc Ock version. Uh, it's out of print, but it was originally twenty nine ninety nine from Marvel. i probably stick to checking it out from the library. Or you can just go to Marvel Unlimited. Pinch uneven for me to recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, next manga I'm going to be talking about is Animal Crossing Deserted Island Diary. I will be not talking as much about the quality of the manga, but more about how this could be important for a manga like English ones. Sure. Animal Crossing Deserted Island is a gag manga based on the game Animal Crossing about a bunch of villagers, which are like the characters you play as in the game, coming to a lo- 
new location and describing their future. This manga really excites me for the future of English comics because it's another Koro comic gag manga being published in English for the first time. Cool. Many large manga titles such as Doraemon Like It have never been fully translated because manga publishers didn't think that it would sell well in America. Now that these manga are finally coming out, I think this makes it more potential for releases like Doraemon and long-running series to finally come here. A uh, manga like the Mario manga finally being translated after 30 years of releasing shows that is my finally I have hope in these series. The manga is very charming, they have little tips about the game at the end, and I highly recommend buying manga such as this in the, Mar- in the Marvel releases if you are interested in this continuing. Yeah, I think that's important, in that, and I don't know if that we've said that before, but one benefit definitely of supporting books as they come out for purchase is that is showing a publisher that that license or IP is viable in our market. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm assuming probably the reason Animal Crossing got picked is because the game's been popular. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like, at our library, we have, like, Animal Crossing uh, training for the librarians so that, you know, they can talk to kids about <laughs> Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's definitely up there. As, and speaking of uh, games, that's going to be the next one I talk about. But, yeah, if you really love something, find a way to support it, whether it's purchasing it digitally or checking it out from the library so that they can see that it's circulating so that they can make sure they order more copies However you're able to afford to do it, like I say, whether it's just checking it out or digitally buying it or buying it physically, whatever you do is going to show people that you support that. So mm-hmm. that's really important. Um, anyway, so a manga for me that's also based on a game, Assassin's Creed Valhalla Blood Brothers by Feng Zizhu. So not mo- <coughs> excuse me, not long before the exploits of Elvor Wolfkist, Jarl Stinson and his sons Ulf and Bjorn make their way to England at the behest of Hofton Rogerson and Ivor the Boneless. Filled with excitement, confidence, and bloodlust, the two brothers are eager to go to war against Alfred the Great and his Anglo-Saxon army. But they would not do well to underestimate what waits them on those green shores. So mostly good here. Uh, The two brothers provide us with plenty of uh, Viking bloodshed and adventure. Ultimately, I would say the problem I have with this is it's meant to not only be a game tie-in, but it literally is a lead-in to the game. And as someone who is probably never going to play it, the fact that the story cliffhangs and is told at the end of the book, you know, to be continued in the game, it kind of doesn't work for me. That said, I really enjoyed what was there, but that was kind of a bummer and a letdown. It's not like you're going to get more in the next volume. You're going to get more when you play the game. And I'm probably not going to do that. So... Your mileage may vary. If you're a gamer and you're going to play it, it's good. If you're not a gamer like me, you might be disappointed. Regardless, Tokyo Pop, $14.99. Kirby Manga Mania is my final thing I'm going to be talking about that is based on a game. It is based on Kirby, which you probably know. It is published by Coral Comics like Animal Crossing and it is another gag manga series. I have to say... Compared to the first volume I read, like when I gave a review of that a long time ago, 
I enjoyed it a lot more. Nice. I'm not sure if it was a timing issue when I was reading it for the first one, but the first volume felt a little bit more lackluster, while this felt a lot more fun. Each chapter is its own singular story, and it seems like they're just doing each of the new volumes for Kirby instead of, of translating old material into a digest like Ma Mario Manga Mania. One interesting thing about the series is how wordy it is. It's one of the most wordy manga I've read, and it was pretty weird considering it's a gag manga. Is that is it wordier than Death Note? Because that's like the wordiest one I think I've ever read. Maybe not, but okay. it is pretty wordy. Sure. Uh, it's just like one 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 hundred page volume, and it takes about like twice the time to read okay. compared to like a normal thing. I do so. I do recommend like taking breaks between it because it is very long. If you are a fan of Kirby, I do recommend giving this a read. It's isn't anything crazy, but it's a free read if you have some time. Cool. Uh, switching gears. Um, well, no, I'll go ahead and do one more manga one, then uh, we'll switch gears. So uh, the next one I had read, I don't know if you got to this one or not, Jack, and that's Fist of the North Star Volume yeah. 2. Yep. You have read that one? Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, maybe I'll let you talk a little bit after I get done with my little spiel. So uh, in this one, Ken takes on the Golan, a gang who claims genetic superiority and he's going to put that to the test. Later, as he continues his journey through the wasteland, he runs into a wily nomad warlord named Jackal. Until now, Ken's opponents have rarely used their heads, though many have lost them. But um, How will he handle an enemy who relies on cunning instead of brute force? So this is more of the hyper-violent stuff that we all love so much, and that's why we want to read Fist of the North Star to begin with, right? Uh, but it also shows Ken's kind of big, a uh, big softy, and he's like helping the elderly and these kids. Um, when he runs into a gang thirsty for water, uh, and, and yeah, that's like a big thing. Not only is it like, yeah, you're thirsty for water, but water is like a really hard commodity because this is post nuclear or something wasteland, and waters are really hard to come by. So this leads to multiple confrontations and new ways of exploding the human body that you didn't get to see in the first volume. And once again, it's a deluxe package from Viz1999, and I definitely recommend it. Yeah. So what do you think? This is absurdly fun to read. Everything's just, like, going crazy. They're all, like, very powerful and stuff. And I do definitely recommend it. I think even if you're not thinking about it, it is interesting to see how, like, influential this series was to a bunch of other Shonen Jump titles. Right. And I really enjoyed it. Yep. Cool. Oh, so the one I skipped to, to hit up Fist of the North Star is Judge Dread Classics. And this one is the Dark Judges volume. And this has got work in it by John Wagner, Alan Grant, Brian Boland, and others. His name is Judge Death, and in his eyes all life is a crime. Together with his brothers Fear, Fire, and Mortis... This super fiend from Dead World is determined to end all life in Mega City 1 once and for all. This is super classic. Uh, it starts with the initial confrontation with Judge Death and Anderson. You are guilty of living, you know, and, you know, it goes from there and escalates. There's a couple of more uh, stories in it as well, where it's just focusing on Anderson and not Judge Dredd. And, you know, it says how she outwits them and finally gets rid of them for good. It's a pretty slim book uh, and pricey, but it is really pretty because it's full color and hardcover. It's twenty four ninety nine from IDW. So if it's one of those you really want to get that story in a nice version, 
I would say sure. There's probably cheaper ways to read it, though. I might say get it from the library first before I invested that kind of money into it. What you got, Jack? I recently read One Punch Man. One Punch Man is the mon- the web webcomic, the manga One Punch Man is based on. It is made by the same person, one. Like, it isn't, like, translated from someone else. Right. The story is exactly the same, basically, but it's, you can tell this is very much more meant to be just, like, a fun little manga he made in his free time. It's more of a gag manga, but it's just as funny, if not more funny, than the original. And if you value the original more for its humor, I do recommend reading this. Uh, the chapters are very fast-paced, as the webcomic is very much ahead of the manga, and has a lot less chapters. Okay. Like, uh, Where did you find it at? Uh, is it on the app, or is this something no, you track down elsewhere? I have to dig around up. for it? Yeah. Gotcha. If you have time, it is a fun read. The new one is obviously like the more complete version of right. the one being worked on. But it is a fun read if you're already a fan of One Punch Man or just like really like gag manga. Cool. Funnily enough, uh, I also read some One Punch Man, and this is the volumes put out by Viz. I read volumes 20 and 21. And immediately before the big monster association battle, the Class S heroes hold a strategy meeting. Unfortunately, they just aren't in sync. And when Amai Mask barges in, the situation only gets worse. Thankfully, King appears just in time to boost their morale, and it's a good thing, too, because suddenly the big monster battle begins. So this has got this huge battle between the Monster Association, and it's got a ton of... I don't know if they're new heroes, but they're new heroes to me, so I'm calling them new. So there's lots of fun fighting and some really weird superpowers. There's like this dude who's got like these metal nostrils. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the flip is going on with this kid, but he's hardcore goofy looking. Um, I really like this one superheroine. She's like an Olympic athlete, and so she can only fight using track and skill. Uh, track and field skills so that's pretty fun and as always king's right in the middle of it he's right in the right place at the right time to never actually have to do anything so not a lot of saitama saitama in these two volumes in fact i think there was only like one really minuscule appearance but there's still a lot of fun uh 9.99 for viz and on the shonen jump app i really like one punch man mm-hmm. but i recently continued reading biomega uh, Biomega is a series I'd almost most recommend from what I've read of Sutomo Nehe's work. There's one more manga I'll be talking about, which is a bit better. I'd recommend it more. But this one is very good. In past episodes, I said how the art was kind of weak or looks a little weird. Right. I kind of take that back, though. Even though the art looks kind of weird, it's used in the manga's advantage when it tries to be scary. Right. The art at certain points is very detailed and very impressive. Some of these panels are just very nice to look at for a minute or two because they're very well drawn. Uh, some of the characters are kind of hard to look at in like a good way though. Like they're very unsettling. Not And this is not including the zombies, like just random people. Uh, though I don't think the manga is usually a horror despite usually being a zombie survival manga, these moments are definitely present and definitely highlights. The writing is almost the best of Sutomo's and his work, maybe the best. It's not too confusing, and there's not too much dialogue compared to the previous series I've talked about from him, and it gets better the more you read. Cool. Um, I would say that uh, that's one I'd like to continue that I just haven't gotten around to doing. 
Oh, so next one I was going to talk about is one kind of tied into the previous episode where we were lucky enough to have Chris and Kirk join us, and that's Star Comics All-Star Collection, Volume 2. Planetary, Wally the Wizard, Top Dog, and Royal Roy return in the second selection of star-studded sagas, learn the secret of the space warp, the fate of the folk quest, the history of the world's greatest dog spy, and the lore of Cashlot. See Mr. Invisible, Morlocks, and more. So this is collecting Planet Terry 3 and 4, Top Dog 4 through 6, Wally the Wizard 3 and 4, and Royal Roy 3 and 4. So I read this one while we were putting the finishing touches on the last episode that we did together, and this is like a total blast. While Top Dog is still my favorite, issue 4, which was actually covered in this volume, was probably my very first Star comic. I really enjoyed the Royal Roy and Planet Terry as well. Wally's kind of hit and miss for me, but I would still say overall this is a really fun volume. $19.99 from Marvel, but you can also read these single issues on the app. Uh, one more manga I read by Sutomo Nihei is Blame. This is the manga I believe is his best work. Blame is a future apocalyptic story about this dude named Killy trying to find out where he is and what's going on in the future while surviving all of the monsters and enemies coming for him. One highlight of the manga is there is not very much dialogue. Its main focus is on the art, and the art very much delivers. While some of the humans look a little weird, the other creatures and monsters look fantastically designed, and the art is very good throughout. If You should read the large master editions because because of how good the art is and how detailed it is, it might be hard to like understand if you're reading on smaller pages. Uh, the story is easy to follow if you take your time looking at the panels, and they're easy. the panels are pretty easy to understand, but if you look through them too fast, the story may be hard to understand because there's much, not much dialogue explaining what's going on. That makes sense, because I think the first time I read uh, the first volume many, many years ago, I don't super well remember it. I remember reading it like in 15 minutes or something. Yeah. Even though there isn't much dialogue, the dialogue available is very well written and feels realistic for an apocalyptic set. Is the Nihei story I would recommend the most. Cool. So, and my next one is probably my favorite of the month, and you said your favorite of the month was probably The Blame? Yeah. Yeah. This is probably my favorite one I read this month, and that was Swamp uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing, book four by Alan Moore, and that covers issues 43 through 50. Continuing the collection of master comics writer Alan Moore's award-winning run on the saga of the Swamp Thing, this fourth volume brings Swamp Thing's quest for self-discovery with the mystic John Constantine to its shattering conclusion. A harbinger of doom has been released with the sole charge of waking an evil beyond comprehension. And Swamp Thing, Constantine, Dead Man, the Phantom Stranger, Etrigan, the Spectre, and other masters of the occult must unite against the dark forces that threaten to eradicate Heaven's Light. So this is the good stuff. It's got a wickedly good ghost story that could be put in the ranks of the best classics from EC that's kind of an anti-gun uh, parable. A story that shows the repercussions that Abby is facing for basically coupling with a man plant, Crisis and Swampy's involvement in it, death of a long-standing DC character, and also you find out how one can commit the ultimate sacrifice for family as another is told to die like a magician. This is really, really good. I don't know how to say it, but this is like the one thing if I reread, it's probably going to be it. It's $19.99 from DC, and this is definitely a buy for me. But, of course, as usual, you can read these on the app.
Abara is the most recent story I read, so the final story I will be talking about is made by Sutomo Nihei, like a lot of them I've talked about. It follows a group of people trying to defeat these creatures called Ganas before they destroy humanity. To defeat these Ganas, some of them have to become Ganas or they're already Ganas. One thing about this manga is that a lot of the story is up to interpretation because the story is only two volumes. So there wasn't really enough pages to explain everything and not be purposeful. That might just be because of budget. I am not sure. This being said, the story doesn't feel incomplete. The art is almost as good as Blame, but Blame just edges it. Uh, and the story is pretty good. There isn't as much dialogue as a lot of the manga, but still has quite a bit more than Blame. A good comparison would probably be Biomega. It probably is about as much as that. While I don't believe it as good is as good as Blame or Biomega, I still do recommend giving it a read because, it's, because of its short length and overall good story and art. Nice. All right. Well, man, I've got uh, several more to cover, so I'll jump right in. Uh, the next one I checked out was Other Lives by Peter Bagg. And this follows three former college classmates, a self-loathing journalist whose family secret is the least of his problems, his girlfriend whose obsessions with getting married borders on bridezilla status, a conspiracy theorist who may or may not work for the Homeland Security, but definitely lives with his mother, and a divorced, unemployed gaming addict who lives in his car. While it's their past that unites them, it's their fabricated online identities, some more dangerous than others, that lead to their real lives colliding years later. And I haven't really read any Peter Bag before this, so it's hard to say if this is a good starter book to begin with. That said, I really did enjoy this one. Everyone's a little bit neurotic, and they get drawn with these crazy noodle limbs. I really like the cartooning. Uh, the immersive online world they become involved in draws up some interesting ideas about where to draw the line after you've done certain things in a virtual world, and how is that going to affect your relationship in the real world. It's darkly funny and definitely a product of 2010 when it was first published by DC slash Vertigo, and this is the version I actually picked up. Uh, you can order it now from Fanagraphics for $17.99. It's worth checking out, and I definitely want to read some more Peter Bag. So, the next one I've got up is going to be Censor by Junji Ito. Unfortunately, I didn't get this read in time for Halloween coverage. But uh, horror master Junji Ito explores a new frontier with a grand cosmic horror tale in which a mysterious woman has her way with the world. Did she wander in or was she drawn in? A woman walks alone at the foot of Mount Sengoku. A man appears saying he's been waiting for her and invites her to a nearby village. Surprisingly, the village is covered in hair-like volcanic glass fibers and all of it shines a bright gold. At night, when the villagers perform their custom of gazing up at the starry sky, countless identified flying objects come raining down on them, the opening act for the terror about to occur. So this has got time travel. It's got body horror, which if it's got Junji Ito, it better have some body horror. Cosmic consciousness and all that you've come to expect from Ito. It's a slow burn that tells one story instead of several short stories, which is often the case in his books. It's got beautiful art and a beautifully packaging uh, is done from Viz. It's not my favorite that I've done, and it's not the grossest, but it's still worth reading, and it's $19.99. So the next thing up uh, was this one was recommended to, to me on Twitter, and that's Mage Volume 1, The Hero Discovered, Book 1, Part 1 by Matt Wagner. And this is one my buddy Kirk has been trying to get me to read for years. 
But here we go. Kevin Mastick was a lonely, dissatisfied everyman until events beyond his control conspired to prod him into becoming the hero he never wanted to be. Accompanied by a mysterious wizard and a crew of loyal friends, the reluctant hero must discover the courage to accept his true power and defeat the dark powers that threaten reality itself. So I'm definitely intrigued by this one. It's kind of written in a manner more like uh, today's comics. This is something from the 80s. So it was interesting to see that it was done that way. Um, this every man suddenly gets powers and he finds himself on the run from multiple look-alike villains who all have different powers. So even though they all look the same, they don't have the same powers. Uh, he's joined by a wizard, a feisty teen, and a ghost. And there's a really cool bit where he's on this deserted subway and it kind of echoes the whole Captain Marvel origin. So that was cool. The art reminded me a lot of Sam Keith, which is super interesting because if you look in the credits, he actually jumps in on inking around issue six. So he did ink it for a while. So, like I say, it seemed really modern in the storytelling, but it was actually published by Kamiko in the 80s. And this trade is put out by Image, and it covers the first eight issues. 1999, definitely recommended, and I want to read some more of it. So the last thing I'm going to cover today is going to be Godzilla. And this is a dark horse one. And it's got a ton of people. I'm not even going to say everybody's name. But it's Godzilla Age of Monsters. It was kind of like a little black and white omnibus digest that they did. Randy Stradley, Bob Eggleton, Arthur Adams, Kevin McGuire, Michael Urey, Ed Brubaker, Stephen Bissett, Ron Randall. ton of people. And I'm sure I left some people out because it covers several issues. So the world has changed Ever since the fateful day that Noriko's father discovered the big rock, little did she know that discovery would become Godzilla's wake-up call and set the pace for her life's work studying the King of Monsters. Follow her lead and the scientist team called G-Force through Godzilla's adventures as he battles Hero Zero and more. So like I say, this is a nice, thick, black-and-white digest trade from Dark Horse. This was originally published in 1998, contained several issues from various series. There's some nice monster designs and a fake Mecha Godzilla because since it's a licensing issue, they only had Godzilla, so they had to kind of make up their own monsters uh, since Dark Horse wasn't able to use the other ones. Two standout issues. One was really good and one was good but weird. There is an issue, Hero Zero, he was one of the characters I believe created during the superhero boom at Dark Horse. And he's going to the San Diego Comic-Con and he actually accidentally wakes up the big G because he's kind of showing off. In a story that's supposed to be lighthearted and funly, funny, it takes a really dark turn and his best friend's killed. So he blames himself for the death and he hangs up his hero tights. So that was kind of, it was good, but it was kind of weird. Um, anyway, next one that I really thought was a standout was a story by Ed Brubaker, and it's just really fun and silly, and it ends with Godzilla using a building for a scratching post, kind of like a bear or a dog would, and it was just really cute, nice cartooning, so if you can find this book, I would definitely recommend it. So, uh... Things that are going to be upcoming from me, I know that I've got uh, a, some more One Punch Man. Uh, I've got the From Hell by Alan Moore. I'm definitely going to get done the next volume of Department of Truth. But I don't know what's uh, uh, other than that. Jack, do you have any books you're going to be reading lately off the top of your head? Uh, 
Not really. I mean, I'm just going to be continuing the ones I've talked about and a couple new ones that I'm not unsure. Okay, cool. Well, one thing we want to do before we get out of here, and pardon me because I'm going to do this the old-fashioned way and literally read it off the webpage. I want to give a thank you to everybody who gave us uh, likes on the last podcast, and that was the one about uh, the ex-babies. So, uh, 21st Century Boys, we want to say thank you to Harry Colombo, Jacob Shabbat, Greg Siegel, Dan Films, Albert Friedas, Comic Fan 44, Leon Valdez, Nazario Galdemez, Chaomi Talks Comics, Tatsugo, Franco Benitez, uh, the next two are you and Kirk, uh, Chris, Comics in the Golden Age, Chris Sheehan, who joined us, Max Reads Comics, Chris from Myth Making ETC, Fabio Gerabello, Wayne Burroughs, and myself. I don't know that I count myself, but I'm, well, thank you for me for, for retweeting that. That's one of those things you run two accounts that's going to happen, I guess. So Chris Sheehan said some nice things about getting to be on the show. And Greg, the author, said some nice things about the fact that we did a recap. So I'm glad you appreciated it. Thanks for listening to it. Uh, thanks for retweets for Dan Films, Comic Fan 44, Franco, Relatively Geeky Network, and let's check out the Iowa's Joe and see who uh, liked and retweeted there. Max Reads Comics, Disco, Trekker Talk, Bill, BGR, Christopher Harris, Alan Middleton, Chris Leiden, Felipe Alves Deo, Jason C., Yosemar Malo, and Wayne Burroughs again. And a couple more retweets from Between the Pages blog, Trekker Talk, and lastly from Kirk Spencer saying it was so much fun that he got to be on the show. So yeah, thanks again to Chris and Kirk for being here. Jack, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. That was yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. And I think Absolutely. we're going to try to do another one again, maybe towards Christmas. Yep. With uh, Bring the Guys Back. Thank you guys for doing that for us. We really appreciate it. And so thanks for listening. Have a good night. Good night.